Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ignore the Nudge. This is the place where you get to hear extraordinary stories of ordinary people and how God has nudged them to either do something or not do something in their life and what happened because of it. My name is Corey Freeman, and I just wanted to get these stories out there. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. So let's get started. And then we were talking about earlier, there was a nudge that I, I mean, I know one, I know so many of your nudge stories, probably if I thought about it long enough, but the one I kind of wanted to touch on is the one when you had gone to preach. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was much younger. I just been in the ministry a, a year or two and I was still, you know, for those who know me well, God has taught me a lot in my life about giving. I love to give, but where he really laid it on me. People keep saying to me, how did you learn how to give? I said, like you, I learned the hard way, but I was going to do a revival in Upland. And my wife looked at me and she said, well, whatever you make in that check, we need to get you a new suit because you you really need a new suit. I said, well, fine. (laughs) I did the the revival and, and had a great time and they handed me a check on the way out the door when I got done, and I was on the freeway coming home, and and I looked at the check, and I went, wow, put it back in the envelope, and I was smiling because I was thinking, I've got to buy a new suit, ah. and then I said, Lord, and, and this was this was in November, and December was coming, and in our church, one of the offerings that we take is a Lottie Moon offering every year. And Lottie Moon was a foreign missionary in China. And uh, in our in our group of, of churches, Lottie Moon's big stuff. Annie Armstrong is a missionary. That's our North American Mission Board offering. This is the International Mission Board offering. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to give to Lottie Moon? And the Lord spoke to my heart, literally spoke to my heart, and he gave me the amount on the check. Uh-oh. I said, Lord, if I give the check, I don't have any money to buy a suit. <laughs> I still remember him saying, then why did you ask me? So I got home. I got home and my wife said, well, how much did you make? I said, it doesn't matter. It's all going to the Lottie Moon. Oh, no. She said, what about your suit? I said, I don't know. God will take care of it. And I, I went into my room and I, I sat down and wrote a check out immediately because I knew if I if I kept it 24 hours, I'd change my I'd figure out a way to rationalize <laughs> that thing and change my mind. So I wrote the check out and I gave it Sunday morning. And, oh man. And that next Monday night was visitation at our church. And uh, I had a brother call me and want me to come by his house. So I went over to his house and I walked in and I said, What's up? He said, sit down. I said, okay. He said, God told me to buy you a suit. Oh, my goodness. I said, he what? Oh, my goodness. He said, he told me to buy you a suit. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you're going to buy me a suit. He said, I'm going to buy you a suit. Just go down to the store and pick out a suit. (laughs) He said, and while you're down there, God told me to buy you two shirts and two ties. Oh, my gosh. I said, a suit. Two shirts and two ties? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Wow. And that I learned that night, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make you pass straight. That'll do it. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, I have learned over the years, you just cannot give God. And, you know, I try even now with diminished salary and less and less income, I, I still try to give. I'm faithful to give more than, than I have to to the church. I've got a piece of paper in my file of I give, I give, I give. I have to tell you, you just aren't going to give God. And he has met every need I've ever had. And, uh, you know, people say, well, I can't afford to tithe. My, my response is, you can't afford not to. Mm-hmm. Besides that, tithe ain't yours anyway. It's God's. Yeah. So if you're not tithing, you're stealing. They don't like that either, but, you know. Well, you know what? Our, our tax lady, we were talking about the subject one time, and she had never, you know, she never really brought up, you know, faith topics or anything like that. So I don't know where her background is or anything, but she was saying that there are people that she does their taxes. And she said, you know, when she looks at it and then the one man told her, he goes, I can't afford not to tithe because the years that he does tithe, he ends up making, you know, so much more. But a lot of times it's not, obviously it's not monetary, but you will be blessed abundantly. But like she, she has seen so many clients that the years that they do versus the years that they don't are just offset. Well, I've had, I've had, I had a lady one time give me her timeshare in, in Florida and took the kids back there for a vacation. And, and I have a couple right now, they have a place down in Palm Desert, that I can go down and stay whenever I need to. My wife and I, we usually, when normal normal times, usually go down in November and stay at their place for a week and go Christmas shopping and get it all done before December. Oh, smart. Because around Emmanuel in December, I mean, with all the stuff going on, you, you haven't got time to go shop. So we tried to get it done. And, right. and I've had folks, you know, had a lady who gave me peanut brittle for years. And I have just, I mean, I have just watched people teach me how to give. Mm-hmm. They give, I give, we all give, and we're happy. Mm-hmm. My, it might, it reminds me of the, um, there's a book that a friend of mine recommended for David because he retired and it was saying retirement in, it's something about retirement God's way or retirement the Lord's way or something. And he was kind of stressed about this podcast because it costs like $750 a month to like edit it and produce it. Right. And I don't know how to do that. And I have my other job. So I'm like, you know, how's this going to work? So he was, you know, we were pulling this money out every single month. And then one month or one day he was saying, you know, I I know this is what God's put on your heart to do, but I'm kind of nervous. And, and so just then I got a new client and the, the amount of the contract for that month was $800. <laughs> So it was like exactly right when he was worried about it. And my husband started reading this book about retirement. And, you know, at the time he was like, oh, you know, I'm retired now, but, uh, you know, know, is there enough and all this stuff. And so the very first chapter, he comes into my office and he opens up the book and he goes, I got to read something to you. And I go, sure. You know, and he reads it to me. And the very first chapter, I think it was the guy saying, you know, you know, there's a commercial that says, what's your number, you know, to make you feel comfortable for your retirement. And it said some example, it says you could have, you know, blank 
amount of money and you have to depend on the Lord, not your money. You know, you're not depending on the amount of the money, but the amount they gave in the book was exactly the amount of money that we had at that moment. (laughs) So I was just cracking up and he was, he was not, it wasn't lost on him. He was, he was cracking up. He was just, I can't believe this because God will kind of nudge you in those ways when you need to be kind of, you know, brought back into line. But when you, when, if there were some people listening right now that might be Christians, maybe Christians, maybe not, but where the Lord is leading one to do something and the other one, the Lord has not put it on their heart to do that. Like in your experience, counseling people, families, what is your advice to, you know, people as far as from a biblical perspective, what would be the advice when one really sees it this way and one's really hearing from the Lord something completely opposite? My advice is that you pray until you both come together on it. Yeah. I mean, God, God already knows what he wants you to do. And if God wants you to move or God wants you to stay, I mean, you'll come to that if you pray. You know, my basic philosophy in life has always been when in doubt, don't. Mm-hmm. And, and the Holy Spirit can put a doubt in your head or don't do this. Mm-hmm. Stay away from that. But, you know, like when it comes to giving, it's not my money. It's our money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will usually go to my spouse and say, I want to give a gift. How much do you think we ought to give? And you'd be you'd be absolutely amazed how many times we will just coincide. Yeah. And you know, that's affirmation to me. Go for it. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, when you when you were talking earlier about seeing the check, put an envelope, and God put it on your heart to give it. When you say put it on your heart. I love to hear people try all these 108 episodes. I usually am good about saying when you try to describe what it feels like when God puts something on your heart or he nudges you in quotes and the Holy Spirit's directing you, what does that experience, if you had to explain it to somebody who had never had that experience, what is it like because you're you're hearing, but you know you're not hearing it audibly, but it's in your heart. You said, "How do you describe that?" Well, you just can't get away from it. I mean, it's it's in your mind, it's in your head. I mean, the thoughts there. He he just he just has a way of nudging you to do what he wants you to do, and, and you know, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the fact that God isn't going to make you do anything. Mm-hmm. We ought to do what God wants us to do because we want to do it. And like I said to you, the hardest thing going through, I mean, you know, I believe you get saved instantaneously. Justification takes a prayer. Boom. Glorification. Boom. Takes all your life to be sanctified. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what is sanctified if somebody doesn't know what that is? Sanctified is, is you releasing control and God conforming you to the image of his son. I mean, it's Romans chapter eight. You know, we love to quote, all things work together for good to them to love God, to them that are called according to purpose. But if you read the next verse, I'll read you the next verse. People always like to say the first parts of verses, but not the second part. (laughs) 
Let's see, it says right here in Romans chapter 8. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Mm. He predestined us to be conformed. So, you know, what's that mean? That means God wants to make you just like Jesus. Now, if we stop for a minute, look at ourselves and say, I got a ways to go. Right. <laughs> That's called sanctification. God is conforming us into the image of his son. Right. So, you know, I mean, again, you read scripture. Well, I don't believe the Bible is just a book. I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And I believe exactly it is the word of God. Mm -hmm. Now, God may have used 40 plus authors, but they all had his thought. He was leading. He was guiding. He was directing what they were writing. Didn't make them right, but he let them. Mm -hmm. And we have a Bible. The Bible is good for history. The Bible is good for theology. The Bible is good for wisdom. The Bible is good for grace. It's, it's a great book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love this generation. The farther we get away from God, the worse this generation is getting. Think about that. See, you want to curl people's toes, remind them that this country was founded by Christians. They mm -hmm. go nuts. Mm-hmm. But it's in every one of our books. You read the Constitution. You read the Declaration of Independence. It is pure theology. Our forefathers believed in God. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we want to get as far away from that as we can. But the farther you get away from God, the farther you get away from liberty and, and freedom and peace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, now, when you when you talk to people who have never read the Bible, like I have different ways with it seems like I have different ways with different people I meet. But you when you're meeting somebody that's never read the Bible and they're all excited to read it, but, you know, they don't know where to start. Do you have them start in the very beginning in Genesis mm -hmm. or do you have them start in John or I am starting John and then James. Oh, yeah, that's good. John will give you the theology of who Jesus is, what he did, et cetera, et cetera. James will give you practical application on how to live the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Genesis is a great book, mm -hmm. especially the first three chapters. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think Genesis, I mean, matter of fact, I always tell people such a hard verse. So I says, you know what the hardest verse in the Bible is? I know because I've heard you say it before. See, I can't say it because I'll be cheating. Hardest verse of the Bible is Genesis 1-1. Now, think with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you buy that, you have no problem with anything else in the Bible. It's <laughs> true. I love it when you say that. You know, I mean, but it, I mean, it's, it's right there. Yeah. And that was all said and written down before we ever had all these weird old scientists who want to tell you different. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got so smart, we're dumb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. When sometimes when I'm interviewing people about their nudges and or telling people about the podcast and they might not, they could be a believer or not, but when they are listening to me talk about it, they'll say, okay, so the nudges, you know, that, and I say, yeah, it's the Holy spirit, you know, prompting somebody to do something or not do something. And, you know, talk to this person, go here, don't go here kind of thing. 
And I have believers who have said sometimes when they get nudged to not do something, they are wondering if it's they're coming under an attack from Satan or if it's the Holy Spirit nudging them or if some form of evil is trying to stop them from doing something. So when you personally, is there some way that you, or you just instinctually know, cause you're so close to Christ that you know, which one is the Holy spirit and you know, the voice of evil or let's put it, let's put it this way. You have to get some biblical theological truths. Number one, God will never lie to you. Right. God always tells the truth. God will never lead you to sin. Correct. Right? Right. You believe that? Yes. No. He'll allow you. He'll never lead you. Right. And, and you know, when you think things through, people say, well, you know, God doesn't change voices on you. He speaks to you like he speaks to you all the time, mm -hmm. leads you like he leads you. He will never lead you and down a wrong path. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes we struggle because the path God wants us to go down isn't the path we want to go down. We want to go down this path. Right. Not but that we know, path. We know we're wrong, but we want to be wrong. Right. I want to be wrong. It's my life. See, that's where you, it's my life. It's not your life. See, what people like that really don't understand is God can take you out in a moment's notice. It's true. And, you know, life belongs to God. Matter of fact, you started this. Just remember, you started this. <laughs> you realize in Genesis 1, in Genesis 1, you have physical science, life science, and human sciences all in Genesis 1. Yeah, it's true. Space, time, and matter, that's Genesis 1-1. Everything that that lives, moves, that's life sciences, that's Genesis 1-21. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. Bible is a science book. The Bible is more up to date and more scientific than what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, you know, going. I totally agree with you. When... You know, going back to the people that are nudged, I think the Christians that I was talking to recently, since they were asking me about the podcast, it's more of they feel led into ministry or something or led to to do something like, you know, go here and work for this place. Like, and then they feel like they get like, oh, no, you know, that's not a good idea. And that's where it's not like it's leading them to evil. It's more of leading them a different way. So they're not sure if God is yeah. redirecting sometimes, them. Sometimes people want God to answer their prayer. What you don't understand is God always answers your prayer. He says yes. He says no. He says not now. Or he says wait. Mm -hmm. And people aren't, they, they don't want to accept that. I mean, when my first wife passed away, <laughs> yeah. I still remember having a conversation with God right outside that gate right there. And, you know, God, five, six months before this ever came down the pike, had given me three verses. And one was Psalm 56. This I know, 
that God is for me. Now, I thought that through. I said, that, that there has to be something wrong. I went to get all my theological books because, what do you mean God's for me? But that's what it says. God's for me. But if you read that, then follow that up with Romans 8.28, all things work together for God. Because those who love God are called according to his purpose. Well, if you read those two, then the third verse is Romans 5. And Romans 5 says, and we rejoice in our tribulation, knowing, as the word again, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, perfect character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Now, God gave me those three. I thought, I thought that was a sermon. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, and we went for our final chemo session, and the doctor looked at me and said, we can keep doing this and kill her, or you can let her live out her final days. I took her home, put her in the house, went out to the gate, and the Lord said to me, remember those three verses I gave you? And intuitively, I knew exactly what he's talking about, those three verses. He said, I didn't give you those to preach. I gave those to you. Mm. And this I know, that God is for me. Which means, I know that all things are working together for good. Did I think that was good? No. But I hadn't read the whole verse. All things work together for good. My wife, bless her heart, she's in heaven. I'm going to see her again one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, it's... You know, and I can rejoice knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Now, you know, that you can split that. Because if you don't see that coming from you from God, and you take it the wrong way, then tribulation brings... Disappointment. Disappointment, discouragement, and depression. So you have to take it in faith. Believing God is looking things for your best. Mm -hmm. So you can go one way or the other. And, and, you know, if you choose to go the right way, then it's perseverance, proven character, and hope. God will bring you all things, you know, all things work together for good. And, you know, in this world, Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. So get over it. Yeah. When you David, know. when David was first diagnosed, I don't even know if you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if you knew that or not, but about a year and a half ago, he was diagnosed and I came in the office and first I started to Google stuff and the Lord quietly put it on my heart, put the phone down. You're not going to need that. And then a couple of days later, we were waiting for the results over the long weekend and it was like brutal. And so we were waiting for the word to see when they did the CAT scan, if the cancer had spread all over or not, or if it was just in an isolated spot. So we had to wait like three days. And right before we found out, David said, I guess we'll find out if it's good news or bad news. And in that moment, God gave me the words, you know, all things work together for good. And so there is no such thing as bad news, because if you truly believe that all things work together for 
good for those who love the Lord and, you know, all of it, all of the verses right there, then you truly believe that there is no such thing as bad news. And tell people all the time, what you got to get in your head is, you know, we live with two thoughts, prepare for tomorrow. I'm ready to go home today. Right. I think right. God wants us to go on a mountaintop and wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep living, you keep living, and, and we keep doing what we got to do. Mm-hmm. But the Lord can call me at a moment's notice. I mean, to the Christian who knows where they're going to spend eternity, it's like flipping a coin. Heads I win, tails I win. I win. Like I told you before, I read the last chapter. We win. Yeah. And, and I love it. I love what you say all the time and you've said it so many times. I love it. And I've shared it. I don't even know how many times in the last so many episodes, but I always like to tell people how you say, I know where I'm going. I'm not afraid of going. I just don't want to be on the next train out or the next bus or the next bus (laughs) or the next taxi or whatever. (laughs) So when you look back, you know, when you look back at all these nudges of your life and how often God is speaking to you and putting it on your heart and nudging you and the Holy Spirit's guiding you and directing you like your whole life. How does that, when you reflect on it, what does that mean to you? Or how does that, how has it impacted your life? Well, hopefully for the good. I mean, I've, I've tried to be a good servant. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, fame and fortune has never been what I'm after. I'm, you know, I had chances to leave Emmanuel and I didn't want to go. Yay. I just stayed. And, and you know, I mean, you're asking me the question. I mean, I've told you guys before. The one thing all I want is to one day stand before my Lord and him say, well done. Now, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. Well, if it has anything to do with what I've seen of your life, you'll hear that. Yeah. You will hear that. And I just, I know you're not one to, like, you do not, you're not a man who is uh, loving compliments. You're, you've never been one to be like that. You're, you always have said, it's not about me. It's about God. And it's not about the main pastor. It's about God. And you always redirect everybody back to God. And I love that. But I just wanted to tell you from me. And for the 25 years that we have been at a a manual now, I just want to personally thank you for being a fantastic pastor to me and my family. And I appreciate the leadership that you gave to Emmanuel and you're still giving to Emmanuel. And I appreciate the love that you exude all the time and the kindness And what I most appreciate about you and those who are listening, who know you will also agree with me that the one loving thing I love about you is your childlike spirit. You Mm. just have never let, you know, and it says, come to me like children. And you do that. You have never left. You've never lost the awe of being a believer. And I don't think you ever will. It's just, it's, you sparkle, your eyes sparkle when you talk about Christ. So I just wanted to thank you. So, and I'm glad you were on. 
Yay, finally. God knew the timing. Somebody's going to be listening that was meant to hear it. And, you know, they might not have been listening, you know, last year, I guess. So th- whoever's supposed to hear it will hear it. So thank you so much for being on. Okay. You guys and, good. Okay. And everybody, thank you for listening. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Mm-hmm.